When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trina. Thanks for listening. Uh, before I get to this episode, we have an interview with the Ringer's Brian Curtis, which I'll tell you about, and we have listener phone calls, and I'll, I'll give you a scoop on that. Just want to do a little housekeeping here. Last week was the 2018 Sports Media Year in Review Podcast with John O'Ran of Sports Business Journal and Andrew Marshan of the New York Post. If you have not listened to that, download it, listen to it over the over the holidays. Uh, it's a full recap. The guys were great. They both did a tremendous job recapping 2018 in sports media, the biggest stories, breakout stars, what to look for in 2019, best and worst trends. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Bill Burr. If you haven't listened to that yet and you like to laugh, hit that one up. He's hilarious. Next week, the week of Christmas, I will not be hosting this podcast. I'm turning the reins over to my colleague, Harry Swartout. I'm taking the week off. He's going to give you a pop culture year in review. Best sports TV shows, best sports movies, best sports books. So Harry will have a panel of SI staffers, and they're going to take you through the year in sports and pop culture. The week after that, New Year's week, Alan Sepinwall the great TV writer for Rolling Stone, and Dan Harron, former Major League pitcher and hilarious Twitter follower, will join me for a roundtable on The Office. We will discuss nothing but The Office for that episode. And then the week after that, I think it's January 7th, we'll get back to the regular sports media guests and interview format. So again, last week, Sports Media Year in Review, check it out. Today, you're going to get Brian Curtis of The Ringer and listener phone calls next week the year in pop culture and sports week after that a roundtable on the office this 
episode, like I said, Brian Curtis of The Ringer wrote this great article about Fox getting the NFC package from CBS in 1993. It is filled with tremendous nuggets and anecdotes. It's an oral history. It's on TheRinger.com. It's called The Great NFL Heist, How Fox Paid For and Changed Forever. I cannot recommend it enough if you're into sports media stuff. So I had Brian on from The Ringer to talk about the piece and all the anecdotes in it. And we got into some sports media talk at the end there, uh, chatted about Monday Night Football. And uh, he gave us uh, his take on the biggest stories of 2018 and what to look for in 2019. And then after Brian, uh, the listeners of the Sports Illustrated Media podcast called in and I fielded some questions and they did a great job. I was very impressed and very pleased with the listeners. Great job out there. So that's where we are. We go now to Brian Curtis of The Ringer. Okay, joining me now from The Ringer, writer and also editor-at-large, Brian Curtis, who wrote an awesome piece on Fox getting the NFL in 1993. That's the main reason I wanted to get him on here. Brian, how are you? Good, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, <clears throat> I really love the piece um, on Fox acquiring the NFL and, and sort of stealing it from CBS as a media nerd in, I don't know, 1993 is sort of when I really was getting into all this stuff and uh, I thought you did a phenomenal job with the piece, so I, I wanted to talk about some of the great nuggets in it. Just yeah, thank you very much. Curious how how the uh, how the uh, the story of if you haven't seen it yet, it's on theringer dot com. It's called the Great NFL Heist: How Fox Paid for and Changed Football Forever. I'm just curious how the story came about for you and and what made you write it. I was sort of interested in Fox because you know I feel it's almost been like we sort of started taking it for granted, you know, right. the fact that Fox had the NFL, the fact that, the fact that, you know, Fox NFL Sunday was this kind of a machine and cash machine of a pregame show. And that, you know, weirdly too, I, like, oh, since basically after the Jamie Horowitz regime left town. Right. And, you know, that whole thing has just been sort of humming along. And, you know, I saw the anniversary coming up and I thought it was a sort of interesting time to, look back at that with fresh eyes and, and just sort of see where a lot of the stuff we now watch came from. Right. It, it's funny you mentioned Jamie Horowitz and how we sort of don't really think about Fox. You know, Fox, you mentioned how watching a football game with Buck and Aikman is just comfortable and natural now. I'm just curious, since you mentioned Jamie Horowitz, it's sort of off the beaten path from the article. But in my head, as, as a viewer fan, even when I'm not doing like the media stuff about it, I sort of feel like Fox and FS1 are two completely different worlds. You know, it's weird to me that FS1 is sort of this train wreck and Fox Sports is so great at what they do, I think, with the NFL and baseball, college basketball, uh, college football. Do you have, what do you, like, is that how you view it or do you look at it as one entity with the two channels? No, I think it's I think I think it's probably closer to one entity now, you know, that sort of Shanks is, you know, Eric Shanks being president of Fox Sports is sort of, you know, kind of more of that has kind of come under his wing and it's become less of a kind of free floating thing. Right. But no, they're they're I see them as completely different things, right? Big Fox as they call it. Yep. Um, you know, those guys, most of them don't think of themselves as working at FS1, right? right they right. think of themselves as just a completely different thing. And a lot of them, you know, privately will complain about things on FS1. 
sort of in the, it's almost in a way that people at Fox talk about Fox News, right? Or people right, at Fox right. Sports talk about Fox News. It's just a complete. I just think of them, yeah, as completely different kingdoms almost. It's funny you mentioned the Fox News bit because one of the things I found very interesting about the piece is this is back in 1993, so Fox News wasn't around or was just getting started. I, I don't know. You probably know that better than me. Yeah, was not around yet. Was not around yet. But, you know, now in this day and age, 2018, 2019, when you hear the name Rupert Murdoch, you immediately think of this man who owns this horrific, dangerous, carnival barking <laughs> network to spew nothing but keep, untruths. Keep going. Yeah, to, keep going. More to, adjectives. Yeah, yeah to spew going. nothing but untruths 24-7. But when you read your piece, he comes across as a nice, likable man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I got, I don't know if I was going for nice and likable, but he's just, well, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I, his, his intelligence it's, came across, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, nobody's disputing he was good at business, right? Right. You know, I mean, it, I think I think it's just, di- I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because they paid $1.6 billion for the NFL, which was a hell of a lot of money in 1993 for like the Giancarlo Stanton contracting. You know, right, right. You know, and now we don't think of that as that much money, but it was a lot of money then. Right. And, you know, their whole purpose was we just want all sports fans to watch our fledgling network we don't want this to be the conservative sports network we don't want this to be the you know you know whatever the alt-right the the gingrich revolution uh contract with america i'm trying to think of my 1994 <laughs> references here uh sports network we, we want everybody to watch this i mean the idea that there would be like political content or you know uh, pro or against the clinton regime at the time like that that, that never right. did it you know they were after a mass audience and they were also after more of a mass audience than cbs and nbc were getting at the time right right you know like the whole idea of david hill who was sort of the first president of fox sports was i think we're leaving people behind because we're kind of too into football and we're too nerdy and we need to get more show business in here you know we need to start acting like we're not sports producers but tv producers right so it's just a completely different you know mo than you know murdoch properties have shown elsewhere yeah i I think i I, the reason i say nice and likable is because he did seem like he would give the sports department who was acquiring the nfl any amount of money for anything they needed to to get this launched let me just to give the quick backstory here to listeners if they haven't read the article yet and again the ringer.com brian curtis the great nfl heist how to how fox paid for and changed football forever great great read uh so 1993 Fox is trying to launch their network. They already launched, but they're not on a... The the key here... This is really the inside TV stuff. Most Fox stations back then were not on channels 2 through 13. It was 13 and (laughs) up. And to get better coverage and to become a real network, Rupert Murdoch wanted the NFL, and he would use that to promo all his shows. And they went after the CBS package, which was the NFC, and... uh, CBS had offered uh, the NFL thought they were going to get 295 million I think it was from CBS and then Rupert came in and Fox offered 400 million and it was goodbye CBS. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um it, th- so there's so many things in this article. Uh, one of the th- and and the key players as you detailed here. I mean the main reason this deal got done it seems like is because of Jerry Jones and uh Pat Boland of the Broncos. They were the ones who were the new school owners and they didn't really have the respect or the attachment to CBS, so they were fine with going to Fox. 
That's right. I mean, I also, I also think the kind of hidden part about that is that, you know, we often think of, especially Jerry Jones, is like he had new and innovative ideas, and that, that is very true. But he also just needed the money. Yeah. You know, like he was, he leveraged himself to buy the Cowboys. We forget now the Cowboys were the most expensive, most money that had ever been paid for a sports franchise. Right, right. And he'd owned them at that point for four years, and he's just like, I just need money. <laughs> you know? right. I, couldn't, I couldn't take a pay cut like Art Modell wanted to give the networks for the football rights. I, I, I needed to maximize the money. And I don't even, I don't know that he knew, he and Boland knew that Rupert Murdoch was going to come along and write that big of a check. He just sort of said, we need to put us in, put ourselves in a position where we get more money for this. Right. So, yeah. So when you go from 295 to 400 million. Right. You know, you can CBS's opening, opening bid was 250. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna sort so, of, I'm gonna jump to sort of the end here. Well, not even the end, but the postscript, which isn't detailed as much. But I'm just curious if you know the back. So, how, CBS was without the NFL for how long? Was it three or four years? Four years. And when they got the AFC package from NBC, was that a competitive thing? Like, did NBC want to keep it, or were they ready to? They weren't going to even come close with the money. I think if my memory is correct, they sort of weren't. CBS was so desperate to get back in because they realized what a terrible mistake essentially they made in 93. Right, I mean, they, the amazing thing thing to me is CBS said, absolutely no way will we pay $400 million for the best package in sports, the NFC package. And then four years later, they came in and paid $500 million for the inferior AFC package. Right. Which <laughs> so, is still... Now, they also got lucky. Right. And then they ended up... I think they got lucky with that AFC package because the Patriots' dominance sort of helped CBS all these years. Um, totally. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because um, the reason CBS was desperate to get it back is because without the NFL, their primetime ratings went right in the toilet, basically. Mm-hmm. Especially the Sunday night lineup, yeah. That now, was, at the time, so fearsome. Yeah. Now you 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 have so many great quotes throughout this story. I don't want to give them all away because I want people to read it. But I, I, there's a couple here I just want to throw at you, which I thought were great. Well, um, Terry Bradshaw, who was hosting the CBS pregame show when Fox ended up getting the rights from CBS. Uh, Greg Gumble called him at four in the morning to let him know the news that Fox had got the package. And Terry said, you got to be kidding me. I never even heard of Fox. Yeah. I mean, what was so striking was how many people who went to work there, Terry Bradshaw, Matt Millen, all these guys who were, they literally had never heard of the network. Right. You know, I would have been shocked. I would have been shocked. I don't think I asked him this, but I would have been shocked if John Madden had ever watched Fox in his life. You know, before he went to work there, I don't see it. Just didn't it? Just didn't exist for people. Yeah. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember when when you were on channel thirty three or channel fifty in the kind of pre, you know, everybody has cable, everybody has Directv universe. Like you, you, as a channel, it just it just it wasn't real almost. Right. And yeah, and and this idea that they'd be working, and then again, months later, they're working and quite well paid uh, to work at a place that they'd never heard of. I don't think it would be inaccurate to predict that John Madden was probably not sitting down and tuning into Beverly Hills 90210 and in, in living color on a weekly basis. But you never know. You don't think he's watching rock. Yeah. yeah not sure about that. Uh, but it is I mean, one of the things that was really interesting in your piece is that Madden became almost as big as the NFC package, basically, when he when that <laughs> deal went down. Now, he so in your piece, this is a really interesting uh, anecdote. So he was, he was negotiating with Monday Night Football and ABC, 
And I guess they right. thought they had a deal with John, and then his agent uh, got him over to Fox. Can you t- tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, so he was he was sort of they were kind of heading in the direction of Monday Night Football, and Monday Night at the time would have pushed out Dan Deardorff and Frank Gifford, right, and put him in the booth with Al Michaels. And what happened is ABC and Bob Iger, who now runs Disney, of course, thought they had a deal. Um, Rupert Murdoch calls Madden's agent Barry Frank and says, "Is John available?" And Barry says, "Well, yeah, we have a handshake uh, with ABC. I mean, they've had a party." Uh, you know, I think at the IMG townhouse to sell essentially to celebrate, you know, that we have an agreement and Rupert says, well, do you have a contract? And Barry Frank says, no. And Rupert says, well, then you don't have a deal. Uh, and he says, how much would this cost? And Barry Frank told me, you know, I just threw out the craziest number I could think of, which was $10 million a year. And Rupert said, I'll give you eight, <laughs> which was also an extremely crazy number and right. would be a crazy number today, by the way, if people don't know how much these people will make $8 million for a sports announcer would be a gigantic yep. sum today. Forget 1993 inflation money. Right. So, uh, and you know, they, John Madden says, okay. And, you know, winds up going over there and, you know, has a meeting with Rupert Murdoch, which gosh, to have a video of that meeting in 1993, John Madden going over to Rupert Murdoch's apartment in New York. And those two extremely different people uh, introducing themselves and getting to know each other. But he winds up going over to Fox and he becomes instant credibility for them in this NFL venture. It's funny you said this about the video, because when I was reading that whole story, I was thinking, my God, if Twitter was around back then with all of the media reporters out there, you know, John Madden's here. He's here. He's meeting with Rupert. It would, it would have been a big whole big uh thing there on twitter yeah i could see andrew marchand and neil best standing outside of uh rupert's apartment you know with yep. the iphone you no know doubt. taking iphone pics of Madden walking in yep espn <laughs> people leaking stories left and right and would have been good um and then obviously we talk about mad and we have to talk about Summerall. now this is what i another thing i love so much about the article was for me it put so many things in, in a timeline for me that, you know, like, I always knew John Mad, um, Pat Summerall obviously had his issues with alcohol, went to rehab, straightened things out. I didn't realize. So he had done that uh, right before, I guess, going to Fox in like 92 ish. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's sort of when he hits bottom. Right. Um, another crazy story there about Pat being hung over and his face basically in a toilet bowl and then realizing yeah. that's when he needed to get help. Which thank God he at did at the Masters. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, I don't know. I don't know that he realized it, but his friends realized it and sort of had an intervention right after the Masters that year, including yeah. Tom Brookshire, his old announcing partner. Right, right. And essentially, the CBS plane took him to the Betty Ford Center. But yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, you and I think of you know Madden and Summer was inseparable. Right. But they almost just went their separate ways. Well, that was my you know, question. Madden, yeah. If he'd gone, yeah, if Madden had gone to Monday Night Football, I mean, who knows what would happen to Pat. You know, maybe he gets, to, maybe he still gets a Fox job. But, you know, his, him being a number one guy was essentially extended eight years because he and, he and, he and Madden wound up at Fox. Right, because ABC but, at that time wouldn't have blown out Al Michaels at all. No, and yeah. NBC would have, uh, Dick Eversall, in fact, told me he would have put Madden with um with Dick Enberg. Right. So, you know, they would have been split up. Absolutely. And they and they had a good run at Fox there. And then John John ended up, he did Monday night and then NBC, right? He basically hit them all? Yeah. He wound, he wound, yeah. yeah, and finally NBC. He wound, up, he wound up eventually working for everybody. Yeah. 
which was, a, you know, it's like, which is a testament to his, to how big he, I just, again, we just, I just feel like as big as even people like you and I, who were there for Madden's prime, just, we just forget how big that guy was. Yeah. You know, Dick, Dick Ebersaw on NBC offered to build John Madden a train car to sign with NBC so that he could ride a train around the country. Right. Like his own train. I mean, that's just insane. Well, and that's the other thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't think McManus and those guys at CBS offered Tony Romo a train to sign as <laughs> you know, big a free agent as Tony yeah. Romo was. And again, I, I, just, go ahead. No, just yeah. incredible. Incredible. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, because as I read your piece, I kept thinking about if this was going on today, if this was going on. Could you imagine what whatever net, let's say whatever network Madden worked for today Mm-hmm. There'd be twenty four seven live video on Facebook and internet of him and his bus traveling from stadium to stadium, basically. Absolutely, I mean, it'd be content. Yeah, it yeah. would be content. Him on the bus would be, it would there'd be a you know a live stream of it basically because he didn't fly. John Madden he, stops for burgers in Barstow, and you know, and of course everybody <laughs> would see the bus and right. follow the bus, and you know, Mob Madden when he walked into a restaurant, it'd just be a totally different world. Absolutely, and it's and a, another great nugget from your from your article is you know terry bradshaw has the reputation i don't really know why at this point but you know they he does have that reputation for not being the uh sharpest knife in the drawer the brightest bulb or whatever you want to whatever bad cliche you want to use but he was smart enough back then in 93 Vern lunk was actually talked about this in your piece he knew by going to fox he'd never ever be the number one analyst because of john madden so he wanted on the pregame show Mm-hmm. Now that's you yeah. think that's Terry. You think that's his agent. I, I don't want to take credit away from Terry, but that was a, he was smart to do that. Obviously, I think he's. I mean, the thing about Terry Bradshaw is that like he just he figured out what his per, what the winning personality on television would be, right? And that's the sort of wild guy who gets himself who seemingly is always getting himself into trouble and about to say something that's going to get him everybody you know pulled off the air and then finds his way out of it. You know, it's, I think David Hill told me, I don't think I put this in a piece, but he said, you know, Terry's made millions off acting the fool on television. <laughs> right. But acting is the is the right word there because he's he's really sharp about business. And, we, you know, again, he was a huge star in 93 on the NFL today. You know, he might have been the second biggest analyst of any kind in, in the NFL at that point behind Madden. Right. I think probably I think it's probably pretty safe. And also, and yeah, he just kind of figured out like I can be the pregame guy, right? I'm never going to be John Madden. I can, he was he was a good game analyst. I'm just never going to be John Madden. So I'm going to go here, right. and I'll be a big star in that in that realm. And I mean, uh, at least my experience in in all the I mean, I've been at SI since 2000, basically. I, a guy you never hear a bad word about personally. You know, everyone everyone seems to love Terry too, which. Um, when you're around that yeah, long, it's... you know, he's like, yeah, people like to work with him and all that stuff. And, you know, he, he again, he's the kind of, he's the, he's the glue, right, on my pregame show when right. it starts. He's the guy who has more, t- you know, how he's fresh out of the field. Jimmy's fresh out of the field. JB has been kind of a middle-run guy at CBS. And, you know, Terry's the kind of TV professional that's going to lead them along. And the Jimmy Johnson stuff from your piece is, is really great. So, Jimmy... Uh, gets fired by Jerry Jones after they have too much to drink one night, and then he's about to go to ESPN, but he ends up at Fox, and then he was kind of miserable at Fox in the beginning, right? They didn't really all it wasn't all peaches and cream in the beginning. Yeah, he just didn't think of himself as an announcer. He just thought this is kind of this goofy thing I'm going to do, and then I'm going to go coach football, and that's my real job. 
And, you know, a funny, you know, sort of course, you know, of course, two years later, he left for the Dolphins. But he was just, you know, Terry and Howie told me this is just really hard to get along with. Yeah. And, you know, he's very, very sensitive and he was good on TV You know, everybody liked him. Uh, but he was just very sensitive and could be wounded and thought, you know, Terry would say something or Harry would say something. And Jimmy thought they were making fun of him, would storm off to the dressing room. And, and even Jimmy said that he never really got sort of locked in and the chemistry of that show didn't really come through until he came back from coaching the Dolphins. Right. And now they're really like a family, it seems like. I mean, when you watch it, it just oh, comes yeah. through. And I think the only reason Jimmy's doing it at this point, I mean, Jimmy could, Jimmy has, in fact, he says to me, he talked about, you know, he thought about retiring or leaving. You know, he's, he's, he's probably good, but he just likes doing it. He likes the people, and right. that's why he comes back every year. It's fascinating, too, because he's in, he lives in Miami and he flies out there to do that every week. So that shows you how much I think he likes the guys, because like you said, he, he doesn't need to be doing it anymore. Um, no. I loved, I loved getting sort of the recap of the Fox broadcast crew from your piece. I, I knew. Joe Buck had never called an NFL game when he got that job. I didn't realize Tom Brenneman. First of all, I didn't even realize Brenneman's been there from the beginning calling NFL. I feel like I don't know why I felt like he's only been doing it a few years, but Brenneman's been there since '93. Never called an NFL game before that. And the other thing I had forgotten, I knew Kevin Harlan was at Fox and then left for CBS. Totally forgot that when <laughs> Kevin Harlan was at Fox, his first broadcast partner was Jerry Glanville, who's kind of a <laughs> whack job. Who was wearing like t-shirts? <laughs> under a sports coat and sunglasses in the booth and everything. That's a fascinating pair. You know, yeah. <laughs> it really was. I think, you know, I think Kevin was like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? But they, uh, they liked each other and they got along. Yeah. Now the, uh, I just want to go through one or two more things from this. Cause like I said, I don't want to give it all away, but there is also, I found this unbelievable. Never knew this either. So Fox comes in in 94, their first season. And they were the first network, CBS had never done it, NBC, ABC, no one had ever done it. They used the Fox box with the score and the running time, quarter, et cetera. And David Hill, who was running Fox Sports at that time, said he actually got five death threats from fans who were pissed off that he was <laughs> ruining the telecast with the Fox box. Yes. So this is the first, this is the first time it's actually been used for football in the United States. If you if we want to get into the uh, the weeds of, of PR, the... Uh, ESPN and ABC had used it during a little bit during the World Cup in the summer of 94. Right. Of course, you know, it's David Hill's genius to put it on a football game and also brand it as <laughs> the Fox box so that he gets the credit. But yeah, it was, you know, it just, it seems like it is literally on, there's a version of this on every, I think it's fair to say, right, on every sports broadcast on the world in the world right now. Right. Just about. Yeah, absolutely. And at the time, it was just seen as like, how can we put this on the screen? You know, we're cluttering we're going to clutter things up. We're going to drive people away from the game if they don't like to score. This is, of course, in the era when you basically had two games on and that was it. You know, you weren't, you didn't have direct TV. You didn't have, you know, other ways to watch football. And yeah, and, and you know, a lot of executives and a lot of people just acted really just like that Fox was making this terrible mistake. One thing Madden told me is he said, we had all these stats on the screen. We had like, you know, the number of catches the guy had, uh, you know, yards he had, and all the stuff, we'd put him up. And the one thing we didn't have on there was the time and score. And it seemed like the most obvious thing in the world. Right. And eventually it was David Hill coming along, well, if that's the, that's the thing we should have on there. We should just, we should have it up all the time. Yeah. And why wouldn't we do that? I, I would assume, fan, the, yeah, obviously, if someone's sending death threats, they're, they've got psychological problems. But no matter what the <laughs> resistance was back then, I would imagine fans only, I'm sure that fans back in, I don't remember it, but they must have warmed up to it very quickly because it, it really is. 
uh, a necessity. And it's you know the funny thing about you know the heads of the networks they don't at first they were skeptical about. Um, I think Dick Ebersole may have said it. If you keep the score up there and it's a blowout, the 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 viewers are going to tune out. Not factoring in all of the degenerate gamblers who watch the NFL. Yeah. The the actual score may not be as important as the other score. Exactly. <laughs> right. And they just want info. Gamblers right. and those kind of people just want info. And then, right. you know, there's some early fantasy football at that point too, right? Like yes, that's, people absolutely. just want to know stuff. Yeah. La- last thing from this piece, probably my favorite anecdote, which has nothing to really do with football, Fox or anything like that, but uh, you have a great nugget in there about Matt Millen wanting to beat the shit out of Brian Austin Green, aka David Silver from Beverly Hills nine hundred two and zero. So that that's all you need to, to to for me to sell this story to you. The great NFL heist, how Fox paid for and changed football forever on the uh, theringer dot com by Brian Curtis. That's where you get the scoop on Matt Millen and Brian Austin Green. Right. Well, we've. I mean, humanity has always wanted. What did Matt Millen think of Brian Austin? It's. I listen, I've wanted that for years. I, put, I that was. I couldn't highlight that enough when I was prepping for this interview. Um, <laughs> just curious, since I have you here and you do cover the media for the Ringer, uh, I, on last week's podcast we did a sort of year in review of 2018 of sports media stories with who you mentioned, Andrew Marshan and John O'Ran of uh, Sports Business Journal. While I have you. If what would be your one or two biggest sports media stories from the past year, most impactful, most memorable? It's interesting because it's like thinking about it. It was, I think, it's fairly quiet year in a lot of ways in, in television land. You that's know, a, yeah, that's exactly what I said at the top of last week's podcast to the guys. I said, compared to twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen was as calm as could be. Yeah, you know, and I think the sort of the things we've seen with, you know, digital media just just sort of, you know, hanging in the balance in a lot of cases and a lot of people being laid off, companies being sold, companies like uh, Oath Media, which is, you know, Huffington Post and all that stuff being, you know, written down to such a crazy degree from what they were, you know, was paid for a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I just I just think, you know, in a way that's that's what I'm going to think about 2018 about mm-hmm. in this realm. Some of it's sports writing, some of it's just writing. But it's kind of everybody groping around trying to figure out, are we going to have jobs next year? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? You know, to just to, to all of us, really. Was, and, you know. I was going to say, welcome to my world. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Not, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even say the word Sports yeah. Illustrated. There, but no, I yeah, I have to go to no comment on that. Um, <laughs> and any any predictions for 2019? Will we will we still will we still see Booger McFarlane in a crane? Will the uh, <laughs> will there be more of these ridiculous streaming things like Dazzin or whatever it's called and Bleacher Report with their Tiger Phil debacle? What, what do we got for 2019? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would predict more more carnival attractions uh, yeah. <laughs> on pay per view, which I kind of like, by the way. I mean, that that to me makes that makes our lives a lot more interesting. And I sort of, I'm, I don't know if they all will succeed, but I sort of like the inventiveness of it. Um, yeah, I, I I would predict that the Booger Mobile will not will not uh, survive in 2019. I think I always thought that was a weird idea, and I think I just I just felt from the beginning I like when people try stuff. I really do. And I don't. I always hate to be the thing where you just sort of get so reflexively into the usual way games are broadcast that mm-hmm. you hit networks, you know, before they try things. But right. it just to me, it was it was weird and it didn't work. And well, it also it was we were told at the beginning that he was going to be able to see line play 
somehow more clearly. And, you know, he was going to be, he was going to be able to bring something from that that he couldn't see from the booth. And I think actually that is one thing that really didn't come out a lot. Right, and right. at that moment, that's where you, to me, you just put him in the booth or, or figure out something else. It, you know, I, I'm with you. Cause I, I always like it when networks, they try something different because everything in sports is the same. And you remind me of something I did want to ask you. So when reading about in your piece about the Fox pregame show, and they tried so hard back then to be different, but it is amazing to me here in 2018, 2019 now. I mean, I barely watch them anymore just because if you go, if you at noon on a Sunday put on CBS, then click to Fox, then click to ESPN, then click to the NFL Network, it's all this. There is not one thing that makes any of those shows different from the other. It is the desk, 74 people. Interview this guy. I mean, how Rob Riggle and Frank Caliendo is still going, I'll never understand in a million years who's into that. But I remember Fox back then, I mean, they could never do it now, and it probably was, but like Jillian Barbary doing the weather was like a crazy different. Every one of yeah. these shows is the same, and I'm amazed no network says, let's blow it up. Let You know, put someone in a Barca lounger. Put someone in a bar. Put so- Every show is the same exact show it's unbelievable no one wants to be different when it comes to the pregames yeah and even just like you know the experiments was like it it to me the temp the template for any per game is probably uh college football game day right like they just have sort of figured right. it out and right. really it's a very very conventional pregame show that just is seems different every week because it's in a different place like all you had to do was change the location and because you're in blacksburg uh, or spokane or Fort Worth or wherever, it right. just feels different, right? And it gives it kind of a, you know, it kind of wakes you up a little bit. But I, I am with you, man. I just, I'm, I'm with you. I just think that of all studio sports programming, just everything feels like the same studio show. Just like they're just there are variations of it. Yeah. And, well, I think you know, a lot occasionally of it... get something that kind of changes it, but it just feels like we're sort of stuck. Yeah, and, and I do feel like a lot of it is, you know, they're all every network is petrified of the NFL, so you know. How, yeah, you know you got to be careful there. But I'm just amazed that not one of those four networks say, "Okay, every show has you know all the guys, no women on it." Well, Sam Ponder does host. I got to be fair; she mm-hmm. does host the show. No women except for Sam Ponder on the on the shows. All at a desk, all wearing suits. They all wear seventy four yeah. pins, especially CBS. They love to show you how patriotic that you know got to have the pins. I'm surprised one of this. Okay, you know what? Let's get rid of the desk. Come in in shorts and a t shirt. Do do just do something different. Do one thing different. Yeah, and I also just I just wonder. I just don't know if we. I think it's one of those things where it's just at this point it's just comfort food, right? right. Like you said, you're not watching that. I am for the most part not watching that either. And you know, it's like, is it just the people that watch that, it's kind of like changing the Today Show or something where, right. you know, the crowd that would watch that would just get, or, you know, it's like when people take a, a special, a beloved comic out of the newspaper, right, you're just, right. you're, you're, you're kind of people that watch, like, just like the familiarity and tradition of it. And right. if you change it, they would get so mad and <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think there is something there. Because I know for me, I, I say I don't watch it, but for me, it's just, it's more like a background. If I'm home between 12 and 1 before the game starts, I'll put on Fox because it's those guys who I've watched for 25 years or whatever it is. And they're in the background. And, you know, it's, I like those guys. And But I'm not sitting there watching every moment. And, and then, of course, when the Rob Riggle things comes on, I like to change a channel. Um, 
<laughs> so you know how is that still going on i'll never understand yeah i feel that i feel that was like maybe that's like one of the stories of 2018 is people are like why is rob briggle still on i feel like i, yeah. I do i see that every week on twitter you yeah. know that that's it's finally happened maybe maybe that's your next story for the ringer Investigate <laughs> an, oral, an yeah. oral history of how people turned on Rob Riggle. Yeah. And, and then I was always shocked. Like two pages. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus, I mean, well, I guess Fox, they had Kimmel, then they had Frank yep. Caliendo. So I, I don't know. I guess that's their thing. It but. was kind of a star maker for a while. I mean, it was, it was a big, you know, they were, they picked well, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. You know, Jimmy Kimmel's Kimmel gone on to big things. That know. is true. That is true. Well, I really, I really appreciate you coming on. And like I said, I love the piece. So um, thanks for chatting about it and um have a great holiday and oh and you do me a favor you if, too. You, if you see if you see mallory rubin tell her i said hello she's the best she is i she's I, the I, best 100 agree she's yes. the best and have a happy holiday and thanks for all the nice stuff you said i really appreciate it no problem take care all right my thanks to brian curtis really enjoyed that if you're into the sports media nfl nerd out stuff you probably hopefully enjoyed that too and now we're going to turn the show over to, to the Sports Illustrated pod, Media Pod blah, blah, blah. Sports Illustrated Media Podcast listeners and their calls to yours truly. All right, first caller on the all listener edition of the SI Media Podcast is Tyler. Tyler, where are you from? Uh, I'm from just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, Mayfield, Ohio. I guess. All right. Wait, the town's called Mayfield, Ohio? Is it really called Mayfield, Ohio? Yeah, it's really called Mayfield, Ohio. All right. Yeah, we're, off, we're off to a good start. So uh, are, you right. a, are you a, do you listen every week to the SI Media Podcast or periodically or depending on the guest? Uh, periodically slash depending on the guest. Okay. Do Just, you subscribe? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I guess so. When I want to go to iTunes. It's like one of the... All right. I see the big box there, and yeah, we got to get you to some, yeah. a new one. I think I get a notification. All right, as long as you subscribe, you're good. So what? What do you got? What do you want to say? What do you want to ask? What do you want to talk about? The floor is yours. Okay, so when I went to college, um, I wasn't necessarily an English major, but more or less took a lot of English classes, and all the time we would like read these books or poems or whatever, and we would just have to like analyze them to death. And it seemed like it took like all joy out of like these writings and these, you know, works that these people have done. Right. You feel like it's the same way for you when you like watch a sports event. Like you can't just sit there and enjoy it. You have to like critique all the announcers and like the production and just everything that's going on with it. Cause like last week I was watching the Browns game, you know, I'm a millennial. I was watching on Twitter. I was on Twitter as well. Right. And you said something about, like, the announcers during the right. Browns game were horrible. And I was like, I hadn't even noticed them to that point. Now, maybe the Browns were in an exciting game. So, like, it was an afterthought for me. Right. But I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even think about it. Well, that's a great question. Um, we're going off to a good start. That is a great question. I would say this. <clears throat> I've always, from when I was a little kid, been into the announcers and the broadcasters. So, it's just a natural thing for me to pay attention to it. When I was a kid... My dream job was to be like the play-by-play guy for the Yankees. So I've always been into that. Then you add in now the fact that I sort of have to do this stuff to make a living. Obviously, I need to pay attention to it. It does not – I'll say this. Being in in sports media for 20 years has has taken some of the joy of sports away from me in that – 
my entire day is revol- revolves around sports. So when I get home sometimes, I want to take a break from sports. So that's where the fandom has been hurt a little bit. But in terms of the announcers, that's never really um, taken anything. And uh, there's a, plenty of announcers that I like and enjoy listening. You know, if I hear Marv Albert, if I hear Gus Johnson, they enhance a game to me. So I've never um, felt like it's taken any joy away from me. Okay, so it's part of the enjoyment, I guess, for you are the announcers. Yes, yes. Okay. How do you feel about announcers? Do you never pay attention to them? Do you have favorites or you don't care? Uh, it, I guess it, it all really depends what's going on in the game. Right. Well, if my team's losing, the announcers tend to aggravate me. You know? <laughs> Every, like, I mean, right. that's just the nature of it. Like, so I'm a big Ohio State fan. When they were playing Maryland a few weeks ago, the announcer was driving me crazy. I think if Ohio State was crushing them, right. it wouldn't have bothered me so much. But it was a close, tight game. There's a lot of pressure, and you know it's very tense. And you know the announcer at one point did something dumb, like where he didn't notice a player fumbled. Right. And it drove me crazy. It's like, how can you not see that, you idiot? In reality, right. I was mad that it was recovered by Maryland, not that the announcer didn't notice it. Right. So, for the most part, no. I feel like I, at least I, if they if they do have a major impact on my enjoyment. It's subtle enough that I don't even realize it. You sound like a very logical sports fan. Those are rare, so um, I, I be try, proud of I that. I try my best. Now, are you I all, for, for your favorite teams, are you all Cleveland? Is it, you know, Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, you said Ohio State, or do you venture out a little bit? Um, yeah, so same, all, all Cleveland. Um, yeah, those three right. Buckeyes. And so the Cle- no hockey. So are you a big baseball fan? Yeah, very big baseball fan. So, I have a quarter game package to the tribe. So the Cleveland Indians, I think it does the radio, um, Tom Hamilton. Yeah. You like him? Because I, I feel that guy is a guy I would love if I was in Cleveland. He seems like a character to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it does make, you know what, I like uh, two of our radio guys, him and Jim Donovan does do the Browns. Uh, yeah, but you know what? The, it's great when the Indians on Twitter will overlay like a highlight with right. Hamilton's announcement. But you know what? I'm watching the game most of the time. The only reason I'm listening to a game on the radio is because I'm in the car at the time. Right, right. If I'm really going to be like enjoying the game to the max, it's going to be on television. Well, baseball, that's the thing though. I think baseball is the key to have good announce. Well, announcers you like because you are, it's in the summer, 162 games. You're going to be listening on the radio at many points. You know, football's different. It, it, Everyone makes sure on Sunday they're home, locked in their house like a nut. Um, you know, the NBA right. is at night, you're home. But baseball in the summer, it, the announcers on the radio do play a factor if you're a big fan. Yeah, I would 100% agree. And I, I do, I would say, like Hamilton and Donovan, if I had to pick two favorite announcers, those, would, those two would be the guys. And I guess you're right, Hamilton especially, because baseball – you can't try and sit down and watch all 162. Right. I mean, you would be, you'd have nothing else going on in your life and no one right. would want to hang out with you. So, right. yeah, you definitely have to find ways to enjoy it without just being able to sit down and watch every game, radio, following along on Twitter, whatever. See, Tyler, I can tell, is young because I hear no one wants to hang out with me and I'm happy. That's perfect. Leave me alone. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate you listening. Hopefully, if you're not a subscriber, we got to get you to subscribe and then rate and review. That's all I ask. But I... Um, I really enjoyed this call, and if you have any last words before we go, 
or did we cover uh, No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Keep all it right. up. I mean, now that I hear my own voice on here, definitely. Five-star right. podcast. That's all it takes. All right. Happy holidays to you. Thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate yep, you it. you too. Take care. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. Bye. My thanks to Tyler. Good caller. Now we have Kyle on the line. Kyle, where are you from? I'm in New Orleans. Okay. The, he's rolling high with the Saints right now. What do you got on your Indeed. mind? Indeed. So I know it's not baseball season, but one thing sports media-wise that I've always been curious about, and I want, want your take on it, Jimmy, sure. as a Yankee fan like myself, is the lack of continuity in the yes booth with Michael Kay sometimes missing a big chunk of games and the amount of color guys that they sometimes rotate through with Leiter and, yep. and Coney and Paulie. And what's your thoughts on that and the lack of, kind of continuity in that booth throughout the, the long season, obviously. I would say this. It's a good question, and I'm glad you asked it because it's, it's um, something I definitely am into. So my take is this. I don't, I don't really dislike any of the yes guys, but I sort of hate the yes broadcast booth. And I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. just, there's too many guys. There's, there's, too, there's way too many guys. Uh, I know everyone loves Ken Singleton. I feel like he puts me to sleep. Um, you know, a lot of people like Flaherty. He's, you know, lighter, cone. You hit it on the head. You you said it perfectly. They have way too many broadcasters. I'd love to see them get down to, you know, one play-by-play person, one analyst, call all the games, have a, one swing person who can fill in when those people need a day off. It's it, The SNY booth in New York, for people who are not in New York, SNY does the Met games. They have Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling as the analyst, Gary Cohen as the play-by-play guy on, on TV. And those are the only three people who call games. I guess they have fill-ins for when Gary Cohen needs a bla- break for play-by-play. Yes is just, they've got like seven, eight guys. And I also feel like if you're a diehard Yankee fan like me, and I'll let you get in here, I'm talking a long time, Um, I've been watching the Yankees for so long and I watch so many games. I feel like that booth needs to be reinvigorated. It's just, even if I think the guys are good, they've been doing it so long. I would love a new, just a new team altogether. And that's why I end up listening to the radio. Most of the, I put the radio on most of the time when I watch the Yankees, because I love the two nut jobs on the radio. I'm the same way I do. I do the radio. It's honestly, it's the, the ease of I just listen to it on my phone and yeah. just have it when I'm doing whatever at night here. Luckily, we're in Central Time, so we get the game started at uh, six o'clock here. Luckily, which is really nice. So, what do you do? You have the, would, do you have the app? Is that how you listen to the game? Yeah, I do the MLB yeah. TV app. Yeah, and I just do the I just have the the radio stream on there. Gotcha. Who would be your guys though that you'd want in the booth? Well, I, I, I uh, so last week's podcast was a year in review podcast. Have you, did you, have you listened to that yet? I haven't, Leah. I need All to right. get on that. That's one of the uh, ones on my short list I need to get on. See, I should hang up on you right now. Um, <laughs> so in the year in review podcast that we did last week with John O'Ran and Andrew Marshan, which is in the archives, so if you haven't listened to it, check it out. We each named a breakout star of 2018, and I named Ryan Rucco, who does the mm-hmm. fill-in work for Michael Kay, and I think he is outstanding. So yeah. I would love Ruko in there. And listen, I, like I said, I don't have like a specific issue with most of the yes guys. It's just too many. So like to me, it's, you know, put Ryan Ruko in there and give me David Cohn for 130 games. Then if you want to have Singleton do 30 games, like that's fine. 
It's just the constant, yeah. like you said it when you when you first opened up. It's there's no continuity at all. It's all over the place. Who would you? What about you? Who? What would be your ideal I, Yankee? Booth? I'm a big I'm a big Ruko fan. I, I listen to I'm a loyal R2C2 listener as well as your podcast. But I like Ruko. The only concern I have is sometimes I feel like he's too big of a fan. Right. And and I get like you're the home broadcast. You're the you're the you're the yes broadcast. But at the same time, um, I feel like sometimes he's too big of a fan. But also at the same time it adds to his broadcast because he gets so into it and like truly is rooting for them. So you can feel it as a fan like yourself or myself that you're like, Hey, this guy is like us and he's representing us on, on, on air, which is pretty cool. The truth of the matter is every single local broadcaster, TV or radio, and especially in baseball are homers and anyone who tells you differently is lying. So it's just a matter of how, you know, I mean, you can be totally over the top like John and Susan, or you could try to, you know, sort of be a, a little bit, toned down but don't anyone twist it if any any local broadcaster is a homer yeah now i think i think i love i love that coney and, and o'neill i like them together i think they're they're fun but i yeah i mean just trying to think who else oh, like newer guys too that could pop in there. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what like bernie would do in there yeah uh, oh. i know he seems like a quieter guy but O'Neill would be the ideal guy just because he's funny and doesn't care and he has that sort of attitude like you could tell like you know, he only does like 30 games because he doesn't want to do right. the gigs. So he's good. Um, I'm trying to think. I I don't know who would like. I'm trying to think of like the recent players. But uh, I just like I said, I just want the consistency, like you said. Um, yeah. So that would be my standing. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Let's make it about me. Are yeah. you a do you listen to every SI media podcast? Some of them, depending on the guests. What's how do you listen to this? I, I try to listen to a majority of them. I actually listen to them when I run. It's nice to just have like a com- constant conversation when I run. Right. Um, I would say I listen to about 80% of them or I'll so. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's a yeah. good listener. Are you a subscriber? I've got like a constant rotation that I listen to of different podcasts. But right. This is one that, especially if I see interesting guests that I'm really into, I, I definitely listen. Gotcha. Are you a subscriber? I am. Yes, all right. Of course. There we go. That's all I want to hear. Right <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate get more, get more, get more WWE guys on here. I'll definitely listen. All right. Listen, that's what, if, if anyone has any requests like that, hit me up on Twitter. I'll take a ball. Um, here's the thing with the WWE guys. I try to get the big ones. Like I've had Roman Reigns. I've mm-hmm. had Cena. I've had, you just had Cena not too long ago. Yeah. 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 I, I get nervous if I go to like the ones who aren't the top dogs, just, you know, I don't want to alienate too many listeners, but we, we could definitely do more WWE. Um, have you had Ziggler on? I've, uh, I don't, I haven't had him on this one. I've had him on previous podcasts, right? but I can get him to come on. I, my other thing too is I, it's funny. I know Dolph a little bit, so I, I've been beg- I want him in studio. I don't want him on the phone because yeah. it's so much better when they're in person. And he comes to New York every now and then, but he's always doing either like a stand-up show or he does a lot of uh, Fox News stuff and he's in and out quickly. Um, but we will get Ziggler in studio this year, I promise you. Who else would you want awesome. to hear from love- from WWE? Um, I'd love to hear from some like behind-the-scenes guys a little more. I know yeah. you did the um, – what's the other podcast with um, – Something to with wrestle Vin, with? Do you, do you have Vince Russo on? No, I didn't have him on. I did not. Oh, um, I, but I, I think some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, I know they're very closed lip with that stuff, tight lip yeah. with that, but I, that stuff to me has always intrigued me so much, whether it be a producer or, honestly, it would be interesting to get, like, Earl Hebner on there, an old-school referee. I like that. I had, he, I had Jim Cornette on once. Did you hear that one? Right, that's who I was thinking yeah. about. I'm sorry, yes. He was great. 
Yes, that was a good listen. That was a really good listen. I've been trying, my producer Lou knows this, I've been trying to get Gene Oakland on, but he hasn't returned any of my emails. Oof. So we got Gene Oakland we're going to try to get this year. So The King would be good. The King would be good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A All friend right. of mine just ran into him in, in Cleveland, actually. <laughs> All right, more WWE behind-the-scenes announcers. I like that. That's a good suggestion. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, Jimmy. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate you doing this. This is, a, this is a cool thing you're doing here. All right. I appreciate it. I'm glad you like it. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. My thanks to Kyle. Now joining me on the phone is Dylan. Dylan, where are you from? I am from Rockaway Beach, New York. All right, we got a New Yorker. Here we go. Now, yes. quick question. Are you a subscriber to the SI Media Podcast? I am a subscriber. And do you listen like you listen to every episode? Do you listen depending on the guest once in a while? What, give me the listening pattern. I would say I listen. I definitely listen to anything involving like the Andrew Marchand or the Sean Oran. Like I really mm-hmm. enjoy the like the business reporters and the and the like the guys who are reporting the on the media guys and yep. stuff like that. Yes, the media. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then I try as much as possible. I, I, I listen to any. WWE guest you have, that's actually what my question's going to be about. It's going to be about WWE. Uh-huh. And um, and I I, ha- I still have the Blake Griffin podcast in my queue, but I haven't gotten around to listening to it. All right. If it's in your queue, I like that. Make sure you li- – did you listen yeah. to the year in review last week? Because that's the one you yes, like. I, okay. I, I, fin- I finished that up either on Wednesday or yesterday. Perfect. All right. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? What do you want to say? Well, so as I said, my question about WWE, I know you guys talked about that. Um, on the podcast, on the year and uh, the year in review podcast. Yep. Um, more recently, uh, Raw at least has been suffering record low ratings. They are at risk of going under two million viewers for the first time in who knows how many years, maybe you know twenty years or something like that. Yep. Um, and it's coming. You know, with, they're going to Fox next year. SmackDown is going to Fox on Fridays. Um, and, and it's still going to be a cash cap for USA, but I don't. But you know, many fans are upset at the qualities of the product right, right. now. And with the taking ratings, I was wondering if uh, you know if Fox or USA is concerned or anything, if WWE is concerned about it, um, and if there are any changes on the horizon to try and boost the ratings as they're going into this you know brave new world. I, I would say this, and I'm not I'm not an expert on the business angle of it, but I, I would say this. Uh, Record low ratings for Raw, yes, but keep in mind they're competing with Monday Night Football right now. So once yeah. once that ends in a couple of weeks, they'll get a big they'll get an uptick. Uh, it's mm-hmm. interesting because what the WWE does, and I don't know if any, if everyone out there knows this, but they have a show Monday night on Raw, and the next day, I know when I get into the office at you know eight thirty in the morning, the whole show is practically on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I think they understand that it, it, we live in a time where the social media stuff and the views that they get on social me- on social media, whether it's Twitter or whether it's a YouTube, you know, they're, they're factoring that into sort of a total audience thing. So the specific rating on USA is not going to be what it ever was. It's always it's just going to keep going down. People are cutting the cord. People watch stuff online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say this: Don't I wouldn't cry any rivers for the USA Network. They will be they're making money. They it, it's the the ratings are important, but what's more important is the advertising, and they're having no trouble selling any advertising on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the quality of the show, oh, what are you outside? Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm walking near my office in the right. financial district. I don't want you get I don't want you getting hurt out there. What's your, no. <laughs> take it easy out there. Um, <laughs> 
That's the typical New York City sound right there we got. Um, yes, that or sirens, which are up ahead of me. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, In terms of the quality, I mean, listen, I just think that's, you know, I feel for the fans there because mm-hmm. they, want, they want to watch, they want to enjoy it, but they don't like what's going on. And as long as Vince McMahon's running the show, I mean, this is sort of what you're going to get. So I don't, you know, I don't know how you make peace with that. Uh, I, you just yeah. got to deal with it. Uh, Smack. I mean, everyone always says SmackDown is the better show because you know Vince isn't really running that, and there's other writers and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I don't know how to answer you about the quality, but in terms of the business, they'll be fine. I won't worry about them. I think it's gonna be fascinating. I said this on the Year in Review podcast. You heard it. Uh, mm-hmm. They're gonna have like a pregame show on Fox, on FS1 probably for SmackDown, which will air on Fox. Like, are you gonna watch an FS1 SmackDown pregame show? I don't have cable, so oh, okay. no, I there won't. You <laughs> there you go. Am, but, You're the but, reason but, their ratings but, are down. <laughs> I am definitely one of the reasons their ratings are down. I am, however, I am a WWE Network subscriber, though. So right. you know, as, as, as unhappy with the product I am, I still you know am contributing to something that goes directly into their pocket. It doesn't even circumvent you know the idea that you know that I'm watching it on USA or or Fox or anything like that. But I, I am probably more likely to watch. Um, SmackDown next year because I have a digital antenna, right? Um, most that and that's even mostly so I can watch football because that's all over broadcast for the most right. part. So, so, so without cable, how do you check in on what's going on on Monday Night Raw? You check the YouTube clips. What do you do? I, WWE Network. Okay, a lot of the time lately, the past few weeks, I've really been following it on Twitter, right? Because so the show from what my friends are saying and one of my, one I have I have a close friend who still pretty much watches every weekend so he he messages us what's going on and it sounds to- totally unappealing to me right and you know and then i follow on twitter and given i'm following you know biased wrestling commentators who write about it for a living and so they're tired of writing that same stuff but so that's how i follow that mostly i will occasionally check in um onto youtube but i you know you know where i see the most wwe content right now it's probably on instagram Yep. They are very they are very active on Instagram, both the wrestlers themselves and WWE posting clips, plus archival wrestling pages that I follow on Instagram. Right. It's really been a easy resource for me. Actually. So there you go. You... And that's something that exactly, yeah, that's something that you mentioned earlier that I wasn't even factoring in. Is that WWE is very very good at social media. Right. So there you go. You watch on Instagram. So, I watch on YouTube. And you asked why the ratings are down, and there you go. Yeah, but I, yeah. they'll bounce back exactly. with Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, they they, they listen. Yeah. Cena hasn't been there. Roman Reigns hasn't been there. They've lost some guys yeah. there who pull in some ratings with the fringe audience, so that's a factor. And and it, and you know, so they've lost a few guys, but they've been in such a creative malaise for two, three, four, five years that they haven't had a they ha- they, yeah. they haven't had that backup guy that could really step in and still be and still get some mainstream attention in the way that Cena was getting, and, right? You it, know, and the guys before him too. Right. It seems the fans want Rollins, but WWE some isn't pulling the trigger on it. But I don't. I don't yeah, follow that, it as close to know that. So I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, all, from everything you read in like the from the Dave Meltzer of the world and stuff like that, that you know Vince McMahon still has his eyes set on that. You know, he still likes that classic big hulking guy like right. a Roman Reigns, and just everybody else is always going to be just one tier down. Right. So, uh, well, what I pr- can you do? I appreciate you calling in with a question and the WWE chat, and uh, yep. I appreciate you subscribing and listening. Most importantly, that Ab- means a lot. Absolutely, my pleasure. And you're you're, you're a great follow on Twitter too. And I uh, I really enjoy listening, and it's uh, 
you know, for somebody who's just interested in the stuff, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good resource. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Happy holidays to you and yours. Same. Thank you, Jimmy. Right, take thanks. care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. My thanks to Dylan. Very nice words and compliments. I appreciate it. Now we have Matt. Matt, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Saskatchewan, Canada. Ooh, Canada. Love it. International. You bet, buddy. Or Canada, as Michael Scott likes to say. <laughs> That's right. What's going on? Are you, give me, uh, before you get to your question, do you subscribe to the SI Media podcast? Absolutely, yes. Right. I've, I've been following you for years since Hot Clicks. Into, oh, wow. Uh, Old school. new role, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to lie. When someone says they, they've followed me since the Hot Clicks days, it, it does give me a little tingle and a little tear in my eye. Those, awesome. That was the heyday. Those were the Those days. Those were the days, eh? Those yeah. were the days. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like that was a different person who did it, and I was out of my mind back then, but my God, that was a fun time. Those were the days of, you know, the prime lovely lady of the day. Yep, yep. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got for me? What's on your mind? Oh, okay. All right. So uh, a couple of buddies and myself up here, we have uh, something called Drive the Green Golf Podcast. And okay. lately, we've been talking uh, about, obviously, one of the big storylines right now is Patrick Reed and, and his kind of heel persona to tie it in. We're big wrestling fans, too. So we, we try to plug that into pretty much all of our golf podcasts, which is hilarious. But, right. Um, but Patrick Reed's kind of got this heel angle going for him right now, which right. You know, some people may agree with, some not. So I guess my question is, um, who do you think is the next heel to join him? Who's going to have the next heel turn? Because we're, we're not talking like full-fledged heel group, like kind of Hulk Hogan, NWO type stuff. It's more like Steven Richards and, you know, like the right to censor. Right, kind of. right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, go ahead. Uh, so I was just going to say, I guess first would not necessarily in a golf sense, right. but maybe just in a, in a general sports sense, we've kind of, we've kind of narrowed it down to four, uh, four guys that we think might be the, the, you know, the biggest heel turn that could ever happen right now. Okay. And I want you to kind of give me your thoughts on which one of these four you think would be the, the most uh, accurate. Okay. We got, we got Drew Brees, <laughs> Roger Fed, Roger Federer, right. Mike, Mike Trout, right. And Steph Curry. There's no way on earth it'll be who, the first person you said, Drew Brees. Um, yeah. Cu- I like Curry. I think that could be great. I mean, his nickname at one point was like the baby-faced assassin. So it, it's a good start yeah. there for a heel turn. And people already hate the war. I be, you know, the buying the title, KD, the infighting. So there could be a uh-huh. good heel turn there for Steph Curry. Uh, the second person you said, I don't think so. Who was the second person? Oh, Federer. Roger, Roger Federer. I think he's in too deep for a heel turn. He's at the end of his career. The Trout one is interesting because, and I know I'm going to get so much shit for this, but I don't care. Mike Trout has no personality whatsoever. So a heel mm-hmm. turn for him would be phenomenal. He should turn yeah. heel. He needs to turn heel. He would be great as a heel. Um because it would give him something. Nobody knows anything about yeah. Mike Trout. So a heel turn would be great. I mean, we know he's a phenomenal player, future Hall of Famer, setting all sorts of records, best player in the game. We know that. But off the field, we don't know anything. So a heel turn for him would be great. I, if, but I, I mean, I could see Curry going heel more, but I don't think Trout would go heel, but he's the one who should. But Curry, I could see. Yeah. If I had to pick one, I'd go Steph Curry. 
Okay, you're picking Steph Curry. And then to tie this all together. His, his moon nonsense say, this week didn't help. So, I mean, that it, it did help. <laughs> it helped in terms of going heel. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I guess to tie it all back to kind of the Patrick Reed thing, and, and you're, right. you're saying, you know, Mike Trout, we don't know a whole lot about him. Do you think Patrick Reed's doing it for that reason, to get, you know, to stay relevant? He has to continue <laughs> this whole heel persona and just to, to, you know, make sure people don't forget about him? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't follow it closely enough or know him closely enough to know if he'd be actually doing it. Like, there's that tennis player, Nick uh, Kyrgios. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Kyrgios, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, he just seems like a natural heel. I don't think he's trying. I think that's just, you know, I don't I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if Patrick Reed, a golfer, is, is you know, I, I think he could be um, just that way. But is he is he really full heel? I mean, how, give me like. What is he doing that's so full well, heel? Well, so so essentially, uh, as part of this whole, uh, it blew up at the Ryder Cup. You know, right? He came came back, uh, came out after that. You know, he didn't want to. He wanted to play with guys, and he threw everyone under the bus, saying, "Hey, I wanted to play with Jordan Spieth. We're really good together." And now it comes out after that that's not what happened. Everyone discussed it as a group that right. he wasn't going to play, and then he made it sound like it's this whole big thing. You know, there's stories coming out that there's family infighting. His his wife's throwing people under the bus. Like, there's all it's just a, a cascade. And then this week, uh, interview came out with Kevin Kissner on the PGA Tour, right. who essentially said if he was on fire, no one's gonna, you know, <laughs> piss on him to right, put right. him out. <laughs> right, right. So, so it's like it's it's the world against him in golf. Just right now, it's like you know, there's so many young up and coming guys who all seem to have their own cliques and, you know, their buddies and stuff like that. And then Patrick's all of a sudden this guy out that everyone's just laying out. Right. Well, I'll uh, tell you, you know, as this bad boy, I'll tell you what I'd want to see more than anything. I'd want to see another tiger heel turn. Cause he's, he's sort of come back now where, I mean, yes. the media is just, you know, they can't, they can't, um, can't get enough of them. Yeah, I was going to try to say something, but I would have got, you know, sure. they're, they're, no, 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 no. You, I was going to say something bad that would have got, I don't, yeah. But the media, the <laughs> but media. But he's come back from a heel turn. Right. Like the media now drools when he has his good Thursday and Friday and then, and the fans too. I mean, he's sort of, he's come back with the fans too, not just the media. Um, I would love to see another Tiger heel turn because that whole thing with the crashing the car into the fire hydrant on Thanksgiving night at 2 a.m. when Elon saw the, mistresses on yeah, the text and yeah. then he's going to sex rehab and this and that I, I would love that now but what about now phil he had that thing where he threw the cl- the the not through the club where he did like that tap in that everyone got all worked up over where he yeah he hit the he hit yeah. the ball that was moving yeah, yeah. so so yeah because we're we're trying to figure out like i said start who who's essentially going to join join the, the right. click for well, Patrick you, Reed as part of his, you know, his tag partner. Right. You tell like me, that. cause you're the golf guy. If you had to pick one to <laughs> go heel, would it be Tiger or Phil? Uh, I think, I think probably Tiger only because Phil is really, uh, you know, he's polarizing right now. Some people yeah. love him. Some people hate him. Whereas almost everyone's back on the Tiger train. You know, he burnt everyone once right? and he's built himself back up. So now if all of a sudden you throw in another turn, and he does something crazy again and loses everyone again. It would just be it'd be incredible. I, mean, I pe- think that I mean the golf and especially because it's Patrick Wright, Patrick right. Reed, which no one really likes. And the golf <laughs> the golf community acted like Phil burned a small village of women and children when he did that thing on the with the putt there. I mean, my God! But yeah, what? All right, I, um, I like that though. That's a good. That's good stuff there. Give me what, what's your podcast again, so people know you can give it it's a little. Called- 
it's called the it's called Drive the Green Golf Podcast. Drive so, the Green. Yeah, we're Drive the Green. Yeah. All right. So uh, we uh, appreciate you uh, putting me on. Um, yeah, it's pretty much this type of stuff we talk about on a regular basis, and we've had some lately. We're starting to get some PGA guys on there for some interviews. And, nice. And uh, some long world long drive guys. So yeah, it's been fun. So I appreciate it. Like I say listening to you for a long time so all right i appreciate that good luck with the podcast and uh thanks for calling in and thanks for listening all right thanks jimmy take Take care care. bye-bye bye all right my thanks to matt check out his podcast if you're into golf now joining me is brian brian where are you from uh jimmy i live in chapel hill north carolina okay chapel hill north carolina north carolina beautiful places there in north carolina i went to a co-worker's wedding in duck north carolina and it was Tremendous. Are you? Do you know Duck? Beautiful, uh, beautiful part of the state out on yeah. the Outer Banks. Absolutely. Yep. Great place. What do you got? Well, before we, before you tell me what you got, are you a subscriber to the SI Media Podcast? Uh, I absolutely am. Yes. Okay. It's uh, yeah. one of several, several sports apps that I subscribe to, but definitely love it. Do you listen every week, or just depending on the guest, or most weeks when you have time? Um, I would say I listen. On weeks when I have a normal commute into the office, if uh-huh. I'm traveling or something like that, that's what breaks up my routine. It's good to know. All right. What do you got for me? So, Jimmy, I grew up uh, out on the island about an hour outside of New York City. Okay. I think I'm a little bit older than you are, but I uh, grew up as a Yankees fan. And growing up, always heard stories about you know the golden era of New York broadcasters, Red Barber and Mel Allen. Right, And I know that you, like me, are a particular fan in different ways of what I consider to be three great voices of the New York sports talk radio landscape today, uh-huh. Mike, yep. Dog, and John. <laughs> and I wonder if any of them lost their voice tomorrow, Right, which one would you miss the most and why? Whew, that is a really good question. Uh, it would either be Dog or Sterling. Um, hmm. Man, I, I wow. I you know what? I think I would miss Russo the most I, only because uh, sports talk radio is different from the actual I mean, I would miss John so much, but you know, I know there's going to be a day here where John's not doing the games anymore. Whereas Dog, I think can do sports talk radio basically right up until he, you know, he's going. Um Here's the thing about Dog, you know, he's on Sirius Satellite Radio, and I know not a you know a billion people have it, so he's not you know, and he's do, he went from doing a New York show to a national show. But I will say this: if you have Sirius XM, his show, his performances on a daily basis are as good as he's ever been. Whereas I feel Mike has really lost a ton off the fastball, and um, his show's just not fun in any way anymore. Uh, it's not um, what's the word? Uh, I feel like it's just a joyless show when you listen to Mike, whereas Dog is all over the place. I- I've posted some clips this week of him on MLB Network. The guy is as fired up as ever, knows how to have fun, knows how to be serious, knows how to break down a game, and then still do nonsense and make fun of his producers and board ops and all that stuff, which is great. I think Mike's just hurt by being solo. I think if he had someone there that he could banter with, I mean, maybe it would be a little better. And I don't even want to think about the Yankees without John Sterling. Um because that's my summer right there. So, what about you? What would be your, what would be your choice? I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think that 
you know, it, it would be an interesting question if you had gone back in time and asked this question 10 years ago. And then sure the answer for sure, yeah, answer. the answer for sure then would have been dog one, Mike two, Sterling three. Correct. Yes. No, I agree. Um, you know, I, I am a satellite subscriber as well, too. I have about a, a driving commute that's just under 50 minutes or so. So I, I get a fair amount of dog in the afternoon, you know, most, uh, most drives home from work and, right. uh, you know, get a fair amount of John and Susan during the summer. So I think that um, I, I think you're right. I think that Mike, in some respects, has now almost become um, when people do listen, either they're actively listening for whatever the disaster of the day is going to be, right. or honestly, I think more people now either are following, you know, through the app or you know through guys like uh, back after this on Twitter right. and things like that, where you're just waiting for the clips. I agree with you. I think the dog has truly found a second career nationally. Yes, um, it's a great show. You can get him to opine on just about any topic. Um, and I'll tell you, when I was sitting on my couch on. Sunday night, and I saw the news come through that um, Harold Baines um, uh, got into the Hall of Fame, right. which, you know, I, I always make the joke about Mike uh, for years screaming about, you know, folks like Eddie Murray and Don Sutton and Burt Blylevin being compilers. Uh, you know, Harold Baines wouldn't even be invited into the Compiler Hall of Fame as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. But my, my first thought was, how much of an absolute lunatic is Dog going to be about this, you right. know, uh, Monday at three o'clock? And sure enough, I mean, I, I think his interview with Larusa was spot on. Right. Um, and you know, to me, it's hard to believe that Sterling has been the voice of the Yankees for what almost thirty plus years now, and never um, misses sadly, an inning. Correct. Correct. Right. And your podcast that you had with him when was that? Maybe last fall or in the spring? I forget. What yeah, it was. It was, it was uh, yeah, last spring. Yep. Um, and you know, I mean, just on age and mother of nature alone, the day is going to come when, you know, Susan will not be welcoming John into the Yankees broadcast booth. And that's tough to even fathom. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're out there in the New York area or you have, um, if you're an NBA fan, it, it, John's doing the Nets game on Saturday. Actually, is I just realized, really? he, well, we're putting this out. I'm going to break the fourth wall. We're putting this out on Wednesday, even though we're taping on Friday, John has already called the Nets game. He called it on Saturday, <laughs> and he used to do the Hawks. So if you want to hear yeah. Sterling do something other than baseball, you can listen to that. Uh, listen, the thing with Sterling, and I guess Mike and the Mad Dog fit in this too, you either love him or hate him. There is no in-between. It's either you love him, you're, die hard, you're diehards, or you just want to you know, jump in front of a bus if you hear their voice. Uh, for John, I'm a diehard, and I, I can't get enough of it. I don't care if he makes mistakes. To me, sports is about entertainment, and he entertains the hell out of me. I couldn't agree more. Whether it's a great Yankee season or a subpar one, whether it's you know uh, April second and it's thirty-five degrees at Comiskey, or it's you know game one sixty-two, uh, John keeps you interested, and uh, it's an entertaining listen. Whether you catch him for just a half an inning or a full game, right? Uh, you know that that duo of him and Susan are something else. But John is. You know, he's a legend in my book. Now, you're, you said you're in Chapel Hill. Are you all New York sports fans, or have you adopted any Carolina teams? Who are well, your favorite teams? Yeah, it's, it's a little complicated. So when in Rome, right? So my kids kind of dabble in and out of being Tar Heel fans. My wife and I both went to the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. So from a college perspective, we're Cavalier fans first. Right. And, um, you know, we like, you know, when in Rome, you like the Tar Heels. The, the thing that all Virginia and Carolina fans can agree on is that we all hate Duke. Duke so at least right. we've got that in common. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you calling in, and, and thanks for listening and subscribing. It's very uh, important for the subscription, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely, Jimmy. Happy yeah. holidays. You too. Take care. All right. My thanks to Brian. And now joining me on the SI Media Podcast is Doyo. Doyo, where are you from? I'm from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit in the house. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I live in Detroit now. Okay. What do you got for me today? Question, comment, what do you want to say? The floor is yours. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to talk about um, subscription uh, uh, online stuff, you know, like the Athletic and ESPN+. Mm-hmm. Plus. Yep. Like, where do you think that's heading? Is that, like, where we're heading um, in terms of even – forget about, like, the news cycle because I know all the big news outlets like New York Times and the Washington, um, Washington Post, they all have uh, subscription-based uh, stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's where we're heading? You know, uh, it's, a good, it's, it's a great question, and I don't know – part of me wonders if um, – it's a, if this subscription trend sort of boils down to an age thing in some way, because I, I'm a little older, I'm in my early 40s, so I, I, I don't want to keep paying for stuff. I'm paying for enough stuff. I've had enough of, you know, I pay for Netflix, I pay for Sirius, I pay for Amazon Prime. I, I don't want to keep adding things to it. Now, I think young people are just used to it, and maybe they, you know, a lot of them don't have cable, they've cut the cord there, so they can afford to sort of... Um, chop up their money in different ways with different subscriptions. I will say this. I think it's going to keep happening. Everyone has a subscription-based service now. ESPN added one. SI has one. They have SITV, which is a subscription-based. Right. Bleacher Report added one. So every company is going to keep adding a subscription-based um, platform. Whether they last or not, I'm not intelligent enough to know. I hope they don't, and I'm speaking from the consumer standpoint. <laughs> um, I don't. Th- Here's the thing. If you're a sp- let's keep it to sports. If you're a sports fan, what you need, what you have to have, okay, you don't have to have sports talk. You don't have to have documentaries. You don't have to have right. interviews. What you have to have is the games. You have to have the games. And part of me thinks, and maybe this is just me being old and out of touch. I don't know, but part of me thinks the games will always be on television on a cable network or or a national network, whether it's ESPN, whether it's you know ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, FS1. I think you'll always have access to the games in that way. Now, if we get to a point where there's a big, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a, um, you know, Central Michigan, uh, Toledo football game. I'm talking about the important games. Right, if, yeah. if Michigan State, oh, if Michigan Ohio State is on ESPN Plus at five dollars a month, if you know a Major League Baseball playoff game goes on ESPN Plus for five dollars a month, we're gonna have problems. So I, I, I hope that the legitimate big games that we all want stay off of the subscription apps, I think they will. What what's your do think, you, what do you subscribe to? Yeah, what so, do you, what do you what do you so, how do you spread uh, out your money? So I had I subscribed to the Athletic. Right. Um I just get recently because I just felt they got a lot of a lot of good local writers also. It's not just about the national writers. Right. I think that's their biggest key is they get the good local writers. Yep. And therefore if you want to read anything I think also the sports fan, I think um I think news. So, I mean, Twitter obviously is where everyone gets their news. So, you know, this guy signed, you know, you need, you need news. You need fat. I had an argument with my friends and they told me, well, I, what do I need the flag for? I find out who signed. No one's going to hide who signed it too. You know, that's not behind a paywall. Right. No one's going to, who made, who made this trade, who made that trade. It's just funny also. So I'm originally from Cleveland and one of the big sports stations in Cleveland, the sports station, which is on regular free AMT um, radio, they actually have a, a subscription based service. Wow. Which it's not, you don't have to pay for. It. I'm saying you get, um, you know, the, obviously you go on radio, you can listen to it, but 
they're um, they have a subscription based. Um, well, what, what do you get for the sub- have- What do you get for a subscription? So, so you can listen. So the only way to listen back to their show ah, is no free podcast. Gotcha. You only can listen back to the show through it. They right. do uh, original stuff from it, um, and they have live streaming of the live uh, streaming of the what's it called again, like video streaming. And how and how much nah. is that a month? Eight fifty a month. Wow, interesting. So eight fifty a month. I do not subscribe. Mm-hmm. Listen back, yeah. I do not subscribe. Yeah. It's, it's. I know you're you're a big fantastic guy. So. Well, I used <laughs> to be. I'm not anymore. I I, I stopped <laughs> listening to him a few years ago. So. A yeah, couple years I, ago. I, yeah, I, I was in the East Coast for a while. Also, I used to listen to him and Mike and the Mad Dog. Yeah. Well, that's the um, thing. I pay. But, yeah. You know, I pay for Sirius and. Uh, Sirius is great in that you know they give you the live stuff and they have it on demand. So like for right. instance. You know, I have stairs also. Yeah, so I listen to Stern in the morning. If I whatever I miss, I can go back in the afternoon on my commute home and listen to it. I, Chris Russo's on from three to six. You know, maybe I leave the office right. at five. I go back and listen to what you know. So I do. Seriously, at least gives you both options there. So and you know all those music channels, no commercials, and a bunch of sports right. stations, no comedy problem. stations. Yeah, I hear that okay. seems that seems worth paying for. All right. Yeah, I think seriously, but you always also can get a good deal there. So yeah, are you a uh, sports SI Sports Media podcast subscriber? Uh, I don't. I'm not a subscriber. I listen all the time. I listened to the one yesterday. I listened to the one uh, with Iron Eagle, which is hilarious. I'm a big Iron Eagle guy. Yep. Um, all right. What, what do I? What do I have to, to do to get you to subscribe? Uh, just make sure I make the podcast. All right. Oh, I actually have something for you. I have something else. Go ahead. I have Deitch uh, unblock me. He probably blocked the whole world, but. Have Deitch unblock you. All right. I, I can't promise that. I can't promise that. I'll, I mean, I you can put it in. You can tell them that I subscribe to The Athletic, you know, so. Right, right. But I need you to subscribe to the SI Media podcast, and then I'll put you on, and sure. I'll, I'll ask Richard if he can unblock you. Why did, now, why did you get blocked from Richard? Let's, now we got to get I'll in. be honest. I, no, so I'll be honest. I'm not 100% sure. It's, I don't agree with him on politics. That's for sure. But right. I didn't say anything bad or, or cursed or whatever. Well, if you, you know, don't agree with him on politics, you probably don't agree with me on politics, and here we are having a civil conversation. So it can be done. It, it could be done, no problem. Right. Yes, no issue. All right, so you think you got blocked for political stuff, not like a sports thing or... or, or... Oh, for sure, for sure, political. Okay, for sure political. all right. Well, you know, it gets heated with the politics, and, you know, I try to mute, yeah, I I, I try to mute and not block, but, you know... Um... I think muting is the way to go because, first of all, then they're screaming at you and they don't even realize it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I will say, Deitch, better be careful blocking people who subscribe to The Athletic. You know, you don't want to lose a subscription. But I would think if I'm The Athletic, I tell them to unblock everybody. <laughs> I want more people going to. <laughs> all right. Well, make sure you subscribe to the SI Media Podcast because I don't have you blocked and I'm going to have you on the podcast and it's all good here. Okay, awesome. I appreciate good that. All right. Happy holidays. Take care. You too. Merry right. Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I don't want to, you know, get political. They have war on Christmas, you know. All right. My thanks to Doyo. Now joining me is Andrew. Andrew, where are you from? I'm from the Bay Area. The Bay Area. Nice and early out there on the West Coast. Are you a SI Media Podcast subscriber? I am. All right. And, and do you listen, like, to every episode just based on the guest? How do you listen? Um, you can tell the truth. You can every tell... episode. Look at that. All right. Um, occasionally, I'm, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, football, so some of the more football-centric ones I'll delete. Gotcha. All right. Fair enough. What do you got for me today? What do you want to say, ask? It's all yours. I wanted to talk about whether kind of the specialized broadcasts that we've seen 
kind of pop up, whether it's the StatCast broadcast. I know mm-hmm. in the Final Four, they have the Homer broadcast. Yep. Whether you think those are those are more of the future, whether we're going to all eventually people are just going to watch for every broadcast, kind of a specialized broadcast like that, or it's something that's going to remain more of a niche. No, I, I do think topic. it's, I do think it's the way of the future. I think you'll always get a regular standard broadcast, but all of these networks that air sports, most of them at least have multiple networks. You know, ESPN has, 9 million networks. Fox has, of course, Fox FS1. Turner has TBS, TNT, True TV during the uh, tournament. So as long as they have multiple networks, I think they can give you multiple broadcasts. And I think it's a good thing because, like I said, as long as they keep the traditional broadcast. If you, I, I don't, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. Well, you know what? I guess I would. If, if I was a, if the Yankees were in the World Series, let's go already. Um, <laughs> and the game was on Fox with Joe Buck and John Smoltz, who I like. And the game was on another channel with the yes. Well, if it was the yes announcers, I'd probably watch Buck and Smoltz. But if they gave me like a radio <laughs> feed, I would watch. I would watch the game with John and Susan. So I listen. I think only more. I think more is Statcast and local teams. That's all good. It's better. Give people the more choices people have, the better anything is. Just make sure there's always a standard broadcast, which there always will be, in my opinion. What, yeah, what do, I, do you I like those? Do you like you. those niche broadcasts? Yeah, I um, the Statcast broadcast. I don't know if you watched any of it, but mm-hmm. I thought that was the best broadcast of the baseball playoffs, in my opinion. And it was it was only one game, and you could see that they came in. They kind of had their stuff prepared, but then yeah. that game ended up going was it thirteen innings? And once all the kind of pre-prepared packages were gone and it was just three guys who yes. loved baseball and knew their stuff talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that was a very really good, great. yeah, you're right. That was a very good telecast. And I'm not, I, I am not a sabermetrics guy at all, but I re- remember enjoying that broadcast a lot. Yeah, and I, I come from it, or I come from more of a sabermetrics kind of way of wanting to watch the game and during the playoffs, that's kind of all gone. Right. Because guys like Smoltz and uh, Ron Darling, et cetera, aren't going to be getting into sabermetrics. So if that was something that was going to be expanded, I would, I'm going to be watching the playoffs regardless, but yeah. I think it would be something that would really make my enjoyment of the I, broadcast. I, I, I definitely think you're going to see networks that air baseball add more sabermetric guys to the booth. So it's the way of the future. And um, I, I, I think that's going to definitely like, yes, Fox has Buck and Smoltz, but they, you'll see more sabermetric guys, you know, in regular season broadcasts and and maybe um, on other networks. I don't think Fox is going to go to it right away, but I think it's definitely coming. Okay, well, thank you for having me, Jimmy. My, I got to ask you because I'm always fascinated by people that sports fans that aren't into football. Were you ever into the NFL, or you were never an NFL fan? Um, I was kind of an NFL fan, but then. Um, I would watch the 49ers a bit. <laughs> this was probably early 2000s or so. And then they had the case with, um, I can't remember the player's name, but where they he was arrested for domestic abuse. And right. they said he was they were going to keep him until um, he got the due process. Right. And then as soon as they got eliminated from the playoffs, they cut him. And I couldn't really watch. I didn't really support the Niners after that. Gotcha. And then once. Kaepernick blackballing happened. I was kind of out on the NFL. Gotcha. All right. 
uh, I appreciate you calling in, and thanks for listening and subscribing. It, it, it is a very, very good thing to subscribe, so thank you. All right, thanks, Jeremy. Take right. care, Jimmy. Take care. Happy holidays. All right, my thanks to Brian Curtis of The Ringer and all of the listeners who called in. I really appreciated the listeners giving me some questions. They did a tremendous job. I was really, really impressed. Great questions out there. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll do it again sometime uh, around maybe another holiday. Uh, remember, next week is the Pop Culture Year in Review. That's sports, TV, movies, uh, books, and that kind of stuff. And then the year, the week after that, I'm sorry, it'll be a roundtable on The Office. I am uh, off next week, like I said. The podcast will be hosted by one of my colleagues. So if you're out there celebrating Christmas, have a very, very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. And uh, take care. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Oh, okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.